This is episode 87 of the Landscape Photography Show, and before we get into the podcast, I want to thank patron Brian Tibbet. Brian and I have actually met in the field when we were both at the Outsiders Conference. We never got to go shoot together, which I would love to do with Brian. However, we do interact with one another in the meantime over on Patreon, where Brian gets exclusive access to bonus material for the podcast, like this episode, and he also gets access to things like bonus video content from my YouTube channel, as well as monthly webinars, not to mention exclusive benefits for specific tiers for patrons for the podcast. So thank you, Brian, for helping the podcast continue to go week after week. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Today's episode is with Chrissy Donaty. Chrissy and I met via internet, you know, how we all meet, literally, I feel like we all meet on Instagram. And Chrissy and I got to talking and I said, you know what, come on the podcast. I would love to do a podcast with you. And we also met over on Clubhouse where Chrissy does an amazing job at moderating some rooms that she does with some amazing photographers. In today's episode, we really talk about like finding yourself as a photographer, gaining influence from other people, and also finding what makes you happy in photography. And not only that, like what is traveling now? after the pandemic, what can we expect to get into as photographers who enjoy traveling around? That plus much more. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Chrissy Donaty, and, and Chrissy is joining us today fresh off the weekend. It's a Monday. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us and uh, talking about photography with us today. Thank you for having me. Why don't we get started uh, allowing you to introduce yourself to the community here? How did you get started in photography and what kind of led you to where you are right now and what you're doing? Oh, gosh. Um well, this could probably take up the whole podcast then. So photography for me has always been kind of like a revolving door. Um, it's always in my, been in my life. When I was young, I used to get in trouble for stealing my mom's film camera and um, using up all the film. And back then, that was not something you wanted to do. Um, in high school, I joined yearbook just to take photos. And when I went to college, I kind of put it on the shelf um, there was a lot of pressure to, you know, get a good degree and a good job. And I, I really kind of just accepted that. And then in college, I did a semester with Semester at Sea, which is kind of a floating campus. Um, and that's where I traveled. I saw the world. And once again, I found the yearbook and followed around their professional photographer. And that was kind of like the gateway for me of just everything else that's out there. And I think that was probably the turning point of when I realized I really loved photography. But then again, I put it on the shelf, went, finished, uh, got my degree, went and started my career. 
And um, then my husband and I had an opportunity to move overseas, which we jumped at. And at that point, I really was just kind of isolated. There were no friends. No one was in the same time zone. Um, I had a ton of nature around me. So I just started going out and I really wanted to share that and kind of bring people along with my experience and what I was seeing and everything. And that's when photography really started to kind of take its hold with me. You said you used to steal your mom's camera. Do you remember what camera that was? It was like an old Konica Minolta. Yeah. I think. I'm not even sure. Um, she, My mom always had a camera. So if you were going to say who was like probably your biggest inspiration, it was her. She was like, she took photos of us taking chicken pox when we had the chicken pox. Um, she documented everything. So that was probably my first inspiration and just always having it in my life. What inspiration do you draw from her? Like when you are in the field today, like what do you feel from her inspiration? That's hard because my mom and I are, I mean, that's the closest thing I have to a twin. So I feel like I am her and she is me Um, as silly as that may sound, but it's probably just the bond when you have like a bond and a connection to a person and that love, when you are out in nature, that's kind of the whole purpose is at least for me now, when I take pictures, it's because I'm truly enamored. I'm in love with something and it's kind of captivating to me. So it's probably just, if you want to say a maternal nurturing, um, that's probably the biggest connection point of where I'm taking my inspiration. Do you have similar styles? No, I wouldn't say. <laughs> what was what would you say her style was? She is definitely more a documentary okay. type of photographer. She and, and what are you? I am very selective. In what way? In I like she'll be at a party and she'll come back with 5,000 photos and she will have every moment and be able to tell you the entire story. And I did start with that because I mean, you mimic, you mimic what you learn. And then now I go out and I'll, I'll be lucky if I come back with like a few images. Cause there's many times I don't even take the camera out of the bag just cause nothing has, and I wasn't always like that, but now it's something really has to be, emotionally in, involved for me. And from there, I guess I'm just much more selective in what I shoot. And then also there's a whole nother culling process of what I actually edit. And then a whole nother down select of what I actually share. Where do you think that selectivity comes from? That selectivity probably, nope, absolutely comes from self-doubt. What do you mean? It's... I have grown up being a perfectionist, being the first child, being the good girl, you know, always did everything right, was not the rule breaker. And with images and photography, I almost always wanted to obtain a level of perfectionism that I found in an image. So a lot of times it's just me in my own head. Um, And now it's much more, 
the image has to mean something to me over a long period of time. So like that emotional connection I have to something, that's what stays in my portfolio is something. I mean, if other people like it, that's a bonus. But for me, each of my images truly mean something. They have their own story of what it meant to me and what its purpose was for me in my life at that time. In terms of perfectionism and photographers, you know, I think we love it and care about it so much. We Mm -hmm. put a a high numerical value on perfectionism and getting our vision exactly how we want it. But I know you you can attest to it just like I can. That doesn't always work out because nature doesn't play by our same expectations. How do you manage that when you're in the field and maybe getting frustrated with perfectionism? Because there's beauty in the imperfection. And I think that's what probably, I think that's why photography takes so long until when you hear about people who are successful at photography, it didn't happen overnight. It's years and years of daily inward reflection, but also practice, um, So I think a lot of it has to do with just getting back to that and then just letting go. So you have to embrace what is perfect and what is perfect is nothing. And you have to find that and be okay with that and accept it. So part of it's accepting yourself and who you are and just being happy with what you have connected with. And then it kind of unravels from there. Do you still struggle with that good enough in the back of your mind? Yeah, it's always there. It's it's always there. I'm getting a lot better at um, putting it into a box and shoving it in the closet and not letting it out. But I think it's always there. I think it should be there. Um, you should always have kind of lightness with darkness and you should always have that type of balance. So it's a good thing. It's a driving force. And a lot of times, I mean, there's, you know, doubt and uncertainty, but you can also lead into failure. And I think if I've learned anything through teachers, coaches, and just life in general, failure is a resource. You you need failure and photography is a continuous journey. So I don't ever want to necessarily succeed because there's no end goal. So this should just all be a bunch of failures and I take the ones that I love and keep them. Do you have to remind yourself of that often being a perfectionist? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Every time. Every time I go out, I have no expectations. I like have a little mantra in my head that goes on of, you know, just let go. Because a lot of times I'm going out because I'm stressed and there's responsibilities in life and I want to go out and I just want to disconnect. And what's funny is you go out to disconnect and you're sitting there and, you know, you're watching a sunrise and you're looking at all of the intricate details. And then what you realize is you're really small in this whole thing, but that's okay because you need all of the little small things. You need all of the insects, every bug and bird and plant, and it's all connected. And that's the connection that keeps everything going. So your problems aren't that small and you can just kind of actually come back feeling the right type of connection. So it's that perspective shift of what's really important. And that makes everything in terms of fear and uncertainty easy to throw aside because what's important is me 
and my connections, whether that's to nature or humans, pets, wildlife, whatever I find my purpose to be. And then it's a lot easier to take a photo and then say, this is who I am and this is what I want to say with it. Uh, Take me back to when you were talking about, you know, kind of looking for that good job and I'm doing air quotes because (laughs) what, I mean, what even is that? I'm not even sure. And it resonates with me because I had the same pressures in my own mind and I had a lot of difficulty deciding on what I wanted to do in college. And uh, I may or may not have squeezed every ounce of college out of a couple years of not declaring a major. Um, Lucky. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. My brain cells, maybe not so much. Um, what, what is that good job? And I, I was laughing, honestly, reading your about me page. Cause you mark out, you know, did I want to be a photographer, a uh, graphic designer, and then circle the engineering? Why go that route? I had no direction. Uh-huh. Um, and in high school I had a guidance counselor and, you know, you got, back then you got like these test scores and they would look at them and she said, Oh my gosh, you're really good at math and science. You should be an engineer. Then I went into college and I said, okay, I'll be going to be an engineer. Um, my that's, that's really, and my parents were super excited. I have a ton of engineers in my family. Um, so it was kind of like, that was the window of what I knew. Um, a lot of it too was, you know, my parents really wanted to make sure they had their own businesses and they wanted to make sure that whatever job I get, I didn't struggle, you know, and that was, um, a big thing for them. So engineering just made sense. And then unlike you, I declared very early cause you had to, and they had to kind of like weed you out. And it wasn't till probably the end of college that I realized I wasn't a very good engineer. It wasn't natural. I mean, I could do it. It took a lot of work and, I almost was, I wasn't riding the horse in the direction it was going. I was kind of fighting my own nature. Um, so then I graduated and I ended up going away from engineering. It was still math and science, but it was um, more like probability and statistic based. And I actually really liked my job. So I was, but I think I'm happy anywhere. I think you make your own happiness. So whether you're, whatever job you have to do, or you choose to do, or, you know, you're just doing that to kind of get to the next thing. You have a choice whether you're going to enjoy it or you're going to make yourself miserable. And you'll find with me, it doesn't matter where we are. It could be the worst conditions ever. I'm going to make a joke out of it or laugh and I'm going to have a good time. Cause I mean, we're on the ride. We might as well. What about like, why continue the process though? You found your love in photography over and over. It seems like through your story, but you always put it on the back burner. You put it aside. It growing up photography never seemed like a career unless like you wanted to do portraits, like where I grew up in with my upbringing, I didn't even know about landscape photography. It wasn't until I moved overseas and I actually ended up taking a workshop because I found an English speaking workshop and I was so thrilled um, really just to have somebody speaking English. And I showed up a compl- and it was a train wreck. I showed up in like jean shorts, this really cute top and 
um, a really fancy leather camera bag. I mean, I had no idea what I was in for. And I can only imagine what the instructor had going through their head going like, oh, dear God, no. Um, But at the end of it, I was filthy. And I was just so happy. Um, And even then, it, it wasn't something that I said, like, oh, let's do a career. It was just something fun to do. And um, I just kept doing it because, I, again, I enjoyed my job. I enjoyed where I was. And I still needed a lot of work at that point. And I don't think I ever really put in the honest-to-goodness effort you need to do to make photography what it needs to be to be successful in and air quotes with successful in like a business sense. And then I don't know, there's just something that kind of clicked one day where things kept kind of piling on of, Oh, I want to buy this print or, Oh, can you do this? And then at some point I just said like, maybe I could do this. And it's not such a crazy idea to think it's a possibility in terms of a career. What country were you in? Uh, we started in Switzerland. Okay. Okay. So yeah, nature photography in Switzerland. It's uh, if you said no to that, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so what exactly happened on this workshop? I feel like there's a lot of like comedy that ensued. It is. I showed up. I had no idea. Um, and I just, I really didn't understand my camera. Like I just wanted to take good pictures. And like I said, I wanted to share everything I was seeing, like, you know, I would talk about these mountains and these waterfalls and, oh my gosh, but I wanted to show people. So, um, we showed up again, dressed, not as I should be. Um, I remember they said like, you needed to buy a tripod and like all photographers starting, I bought the cheapest tripod. Um, we all have done it. We've all been there. (laughs) And, um, we drove around and we found, you know, all these different waterfalls and everything like that. And at one point the instructor would got really excited over something. Cause again, like he saw his vision and I was like, okay, I'll come. And we start running up this hillside of this waterfall in this Valley. And there is all this mud, all of this chaos. And again, I'm just not dressed for it. So I'm trying to follow and make my way up there. And here I step And like my whole foot gets covered in mud, like everything. And I try and get out and my shoe stays. (laughs) And I go, oh my God, what am I going to do? So there I am with my cheap tripod that clearly isn't even holding up me, like this side backpack, totally off balance and my shoes back there. So when I say it was a train wreck, that's an understatement to say the least. Um, But I didn't really care. And actually they came back and they rescued me and they got my shoe. We washed it in the waterfall. I walked around going squish, 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 squish um, (laughs) for the whole rest of the day. Um, And then I went home and I talked to my husband and I was like, I need this and I need to buy this. And there's these things called waiters I can use. I mean, it was complete newbie. But after that, I was like, I think I can like do something. And then it was probably about a year later. After like, I I actually went back and I bought a bunch of books and I was determined to figure out how to actually use my camera. And I remember being um, up at sunrise and it was the first time that I went out by myself with nothing to mimic and kind of made my, my own photo that was really me. 
and it actually kind of looked half decent. I mean, Switzerland helped for sure. But that was the point where I was like, I can do this. I, I actually can make something. And I don't know. That was that. That's a moment and a photo that was never going to actually leave my website. Which photograph is it? It's a photograph of uh, the Matterhorn with a reflecting lake at Zermatt. Do you go back and look at that often? I do. I actually have that printed, and that is in my son's bedroom. Okay, okay. I can picture the exact same when you said that moment where it ran through your mind, like, I think I could probably do this. I It just takes me back to that same experience, and I remember the photograph that comes up uh, in my memory when I do have that thought and, and that memory too, what was, what is your reaction now looking back at that, um, and seeing what you've done from that moment? Uh, and probably, you know, you might attest to building quality, through your compositions and your structure and your images and all everything that goes into it, of course, post-processing, whatnot. How does it make you feel when you look back and you see that first image and then you can see everything that you've done uh, and now you've got people asking you to, you know, come on and talk about your photography and, and share your thoughts? So, I mean, it's not a great photo, like from where I stand now but it's a photo that still means a tremendous amount to me. And what matters is what it means to me in that moment. It gave me the same exact feeling as I feel today when I take something after I've with all of the other experience under my belt. Um, and that's all, all that matters is if I love it and I still love that photo and I will always love that photo. Cause that is, the turning point into something that I found that I truly have a passion and it's, there's no dimmer switch on it. Um, the light switches on and it's staying on. In that time abroad, um, how difficult was that isolation that you felt? Oh, tremendous. I had no idea what I was in for at all. Um, I didn't speak the language and I thought I would, I mean, I took French in high school, so I, I thought I would pick it up quicker than I did. Um, but I learned I do not have a knack for languages. I have to really work at it. And I did, but it just took a lot longer. Um, people were not as warm as and welcoming, which I can understand as well. Um, and I just wasn't the best. I'm more introverted, actually. So to get out was really hard or to like break into making a conversation or um, so what actually happened is I ended up getting my dog and that is how I got it. You had to go out every day. You had no choice. Um, And you have a cute puppy with you. Um, People want to talk to you. And that was really kind of, and he always loved hiking. So when he was old enough, that was really the, the way to kind of defeat the isolation. In terms of photography, um, do you see it more as an isolating activity because we do go out and shoot? Or do you see it as more of a communal thing now that we have 
opportunities like clubhouse or groups that we can be a part of? I think I kind of try and pull the tension where I need it in my own life at the time. Sometimes I I need to be introverted and I'm kind of just, you'll see, I'll, I'll pull off and you won't, you won't hear from me or see me on social media for a long time because I'm kind of stuck in my own head and working through something that I'm trying to process in life. And then there's other times where I'm just kind of on 24 seven because I'm, I'm looking for that connection. And I think the pandemic actually really taught that to me is I rely a lot more on the community of photographers and how supportive we can be of each other. Um, and I think it's kind of weird. Like when you have a photography community and you could, I mean, I've never met some of these people and I probably never will, but through conversations on clubhouse or on Instagram or Facebook, they probably know more about me and like my act, who I really am than um, a lot of my friends, just because we're taking the time to really look into each other's photos and hear what each other has to say and our perspectives in life. And so I think we need both and it's just whatever at the time in your life you need, you, you go and embrace whether you need to be alone or whether you need to meet among friends. Well, you've had some incredible panels on clubhouse <laughs> that you've talked to. I mean, like, like five star people on your panels that you've talked to. It's, is that exhilarating for you? And it's, you've, you've struggled with, with good enough, uh, in the past. Is it easy for you to put yourself on the same panel, like header as all of those other people? Uh, it's exhilarating and terrifying. And actually I'm, <laughs> I was kind of shocked when I was like, okay, well, let's see, let's see what we can do. And, you know, one person said yes. And then it, it's, again, it's a community. I mean, I didn't do that by myself. I had help and people were like, yeah, I'll reach out. What about this person? And I was like, are you kidding me? Sure. Yes. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you're open and you want to listen, I think as long as you're genuine, um, cause we all have fears, we all have doubts and we all have heroes and that shouldn't change. But again, I put myself on as a host, not necessarily among what I consider to be mentors and amazing photographers. Why? Because I think it, how else can you get to that level unless you learn from the people you admire? And that's not just, you know, teach me how to do it with my camera. That's what's really going on in their head and how did they come to this and why? And I mean, the why is the important part. And then you take little bits and pieces and at some point it becomes you and you realize what you, what you want to take and what you want to keep and how you want to develop yourself. Pardon the pun. Well, let me ask you that same question. I mean, you just spoon fed it to me. What goes through your head in the field and why? Oh, that's a scary, scary place to be, I think. Um, in the beginning, it was all technical. It was a lot of, I was still trying to figure out the craft. So I think there were years of not actually connecting, just, I'm going to say, taking snapshots because I wasn't able to connect. I was more trying to figure it out. And now, I mean, 
you hand me my camera and I don't even have to think. I know like my hands are just doing their own thing. And now it's really, there's a, there's always a story. I sit, I think, um, now I like to go, I love to go back to places often. Um, in my earlier days, I loved to travel and it was all about adventure. Now it's like really about getting into how things work. I love understanding, um, the whole ecosystem of a place in a sense. And, you know, why does it all work together? And at that point, I just wait for something to kind of catch my eye. And then I try and figure out why I found it interesting. And I try and convey that within a frame, which is kind of an impossible task and probably why I have a problem with, um, you know, the perfectionism is because I can't necessarily tell the whole story. So often I re- I rely on my writing to do that, to aid there's so many photographers who have that same story. Is that the natural progression? Do you think of, Hey, I got to go to this new place. I got to photograph new, new, new. And then the revisiting occurs, the studying occurs and that kind of just transpires over time. Yeah. I think that's the only way to really fall in love and respect a place. Mm. And then when you have an admiration for, you know, whether it's a landscape or a a flower or wildlife, that's when you really try and do it justice. What places have stolen your heart and that you love? Oh, well, Pennsylvania's home. I was born and raised and there's always going to be a part of the rolling hills. Um, Switzerland, for sure. I mean, Switzerland will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, Belgium as well. We live there and um, learned a lot of lessons there. And I think those are like the top three, but it's, again, it's, it's because I've lived there and I've, I've grown a deeper appreciation and they hold a special part of my life. Um, And there's plenty of places I love to travel to and I love to revisit um, you know, your, your typical places like Iceland and I do love them, but, um, they don't have, uh, as much as deep of a meaning to me or as the stories that I can tell, um, as the places I've lived. In terms of travel and, and then nature and landscape, you know, that's kind of how you describe yourself on your website, travel, nature, landscape, photography. How do you borrow from each one of those genres and I don't know, plug it in to different areas when you are working in the field? Huh. Um, I put travel, nature and landscape because I don't actually know what I, I, I don't know what I am. Um, I'm a photographer and I, I shoot what I like. And at one point that was travel. And there's a lot of travel stuff that um, works with the business side of things. So I stick with that. Um, And then nature can be all encompassing, can't it? Um, So that leaves me wide open to say, yes, I'm still fitting in my little box, but I can do whatever I want. And landscape is just uh, a love because I, my husband hates heights. Um, So traveling with me is a, is a, trouble for him because I always like to be at the top of everything. Um, I, whether you go on an incline, a gondola, or you have to hike to the top, I always 
like to get to a vantage point and perhaps, I mean, I'm rather, I'm rather short. So maybe that's, um, you know, a short person problem where like you get to get to the top and see the views. But, um, I think that's why landscape will always have a part of my heart because there's something about being up in the clouds that just really puts things into perspective. In terms of travel though, I found it difficult to bridge the gap between travel photography and nature photography because Mm -hmm. to me, nature photography is more of like small details, maybe even abstracts, whereas landscape is more of the broad grand view. So it's easier for me to pin travel and landscape together, but nature and travel has always been the difficult pairing for me. And I travel too. I've been to the uh, Belgium and uh, Switzerland and a lot of the countries that you've mentioned. Uh, but that just small detail in travel photography and how I link it to nature, I don't know, maybe it's my own problem of how I see nature photography. I don't think so. Um, I think a lot of my travel though is because I'm not actually vacationing. Um, most of my travel is kind of like, let's call it slow travel, um, where I'm stuck in a place for a while before we move again. And, um, we're kind of a nomadic family. So we move every few years and, um, that's really where the travel plays in is because I don't have a home base. Um, my home base will always be moving. Um, so I like to link that and just take, go where it takes me. Do you think you'll stay in a place for a while ever? Nope. <laughs> Why? It's and which is funny because I grew up um and you know everybody was from our hometown. I mean our hometown's so small we don't even have like a stoplight. Um <laughs> and and I was the one that left, the black sheep, I guess. But um and it was scary to leave. Um but I couldn't see my life any other way because um you know, home is where my family, the, the people are. Um, but I, I love having a new adventure and feeling uncomfortable and um, staying in a place long enough to get comfortable. And I, it's kind of like just when we get comfortable and we figure out how everything works and we're going someplace new. And um, I think that's what keeps it interesting. How does discomfort lead to better creativity? I think because it forces you to think, it forces you to adapt. Um, and, you know, I, I, I come from, uh, you know, growing up, I was always playing sports. And um, my favorite mantra from there that I carry into life is athletes adapt. You, you know, whatever's thrown at you, you have to figure out how to overcome it. And I think discomfort teaches you how to get, how to grow and if we're not growing, we're stagnant. And if we're stagnant, there's no purpose. So you, I got to embrace being uncomfortable no matter how uncomfortable it feels. Do you see that in your photography reflected in that way? Like if you are in a place for just a couple of years and you're still exploring it versus when you do get pretty comfortable and you're like, okay, this is what this season will bring. This is what that season will bring. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And, um, there's plenty of places where I'm, I'm very desperate to, to kind of go back and, 
because uh, now I have a different vision. I have a different perspective on how I see things and um, what's important to me about them. I mean, I, every time you leave, the nostalgia will come back and you see things with a, a different lens. So I'm excited, hopefully, one day to kind of go back and um, maybe do things more like a, a vacation type of tour where I'll still know exactly where I want to go and kind of what I want to do, but we're just going to see what happens when I get there. Let's, let's stick with that hopeful feeling. Um, I'm hopeful that the pandemic is drawing to a close. Uh, we see that with vaccines and, and stuff that's rolling out and lower numbers, at least in the United States at this time. On your, on your About Me page, you close it out by saying safe travels, happy shooting, and many wishes for colorful skies. Now, post-pandemic, or at least leading into what that looks like, possibly, what is safe travel for nature and landscape photographers, and where do you see that going? Oh, that's hard. Um, because I, what's hard is we're all interconnected now. Um, globally. And we're all rolling out vaccines at different levels. Um, So I I think safe travel is first getting ourselves vaccinated um, and then being considerate of others and what everyone around you and who you may interact with on your travels is. So if, I mean, right now that means wearing a mask, we wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated and making sure we're considerate of others because the more we do for each other, the better off as a whole we're going to be to get through this and kind of regain. I don't think we're going to go back to normal and I'm okay with that. We shouldn't go back to normal. This should change us and we should try, at least I'm going to try and take any positive that I can and make that my new normal. What about the photography side? The photography side I haven't really, I think we're going to have a big release of creativity. I think we're going to have, I think people have had a lot of time to look inward. Um, I think a lot of us have been faced to really look at our own mortality as, as, as bleak as that may sound. But I mean, if you didn't think about that during this time, um, we weren't paying attention. So I think a lot of us kind of have said, forget the fears and uncertainties and the perfectionism. And, and I'm just going to do what makes me happy with, within reason. I mean, consideration for others, but, <laughs> but I'm going to go out and photograph what I love. And I really think we're going to see people exploring new genres. Um, I still hope and pray that we see a lot more people being closer to home and not just doing phot- photography as a, as a vacation, but really integrating it into our daily lives. Um, but also with that, I would, I have to hope, and I guess you said we're going to end on hope. So, and I'm an, I'm always an optimist um, that's hidden behind practicality. I really hope that people have started to fall in love with nature because that's what we've relied on. And in falling in love with nature, we realize how much we have to respect it and take care of it. And, um, I hope we can do a little bit better with that. And maybe, um, I mean, it's not just photographers, it's travel, it's everything. But collectively, if we all can just do a little something 
we're going to make a big impact. I hope to see the over-trafficked areas rebound, and I hope to see more... I don't want to use the word restrictions because honestly, I don't want to see restrictions. But if that is the level that it has to reach, I do hope that that's taken into consideration. But more reverence for a place, Um, especially with with traveling to places instead of going, you know, you probably have a handful of places that no one really travels to that much around your home. I do, too. But when you go out and you see the vandalism, the degradation yeah. of places, it crushes you to to an extent. No, it does. It and even there's there are places um, that I found, and I'm almost kind of terrified to go back because I've seen them on social media, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what it looks like. Um, Because a lot of times I was there before, you know, in a sense, as social media was coming up and, you know, the ultimate selfies. Um, But I still have hope. I I think we are resilient um, and we do care. I think we just have to get the education out there because a lot of times, and I myself was guilty of this when I started, I didn't grow up with like a super outdoorsy family and know all of the best things to do with hiking and camping. And I had to learn that. And I think as a society, we're becoming more open to learning that. And I think we're learning how um, we have to educate those that don't know. But the first thing, it doesn't matter. We could say and scream or yell or, you know, post signs. People have to care and have to love the place. And the only way to care and love the place is to see the world and to see it. Um, So we're going to have to find some type of balance with that, of letting people, because like you said, restrictions, we don't want to see it, um, but we're willing to sacrifice it because it's the shot's not always worth it. Um, The place, the place is worth it. Where can people go to find more out about you? Uh, you can go to my website, uh, chrissydonity.com. Um, you can find me occasionally on social media. I'll, I'll try and do my best, um, but that's the best way to find me. She's Chrissy Donity. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us and talking photography. Thank you so much for having me and happy shooting. Hey guys, I know the podcast is done here, but actually over on Patreon, it's continuing. There's some exclusive content from this podcast episode over on Patreon where I dive deeper into Chrissy's interview about finding yourself as a photographer, the ebbs and flows, and how you can get through those processes. You know, starting out stories when we were beginning, Chrissy shared a great story about her in Switzerland on her first like daily workshop. That was a fantastic story. I'm sure we all have stories like that and much, much more. So go ahead and head over to Patreon and become a patron of the podcast. Help the podcast continue going week after week and also gain exclusive benefits like bonus podcast materials, monthly webinars with me, 
And some of the tiers even get you access to interviews and one-on-ones and -on with me as well. So go ahead and head over to patreon.com slash David Johnston and sign up to support the podcast month after month.